The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hello, hello. We're back for some more fun here in the Fandom Nexus here of Neverland. I've got a lot of fun to have with you today. I had a great conversation with Tom Amin. Those of you who've been with us for a long time will remember we talked to him a long time ago. He had a couple of uh, piano albums he put out. The Magic in Pixels, I believe it was called, and then The Journey to the Stars. He was doing Disney songs. He was doing Star Wars all kind of rearranging them on piano and making them very entertaining, great listening. It's If you, if you enjoy music and if you enjoy the music of Disney and, and of Star Wars, you'd love these two albums. Well, he's got a lot more music since then, and uh, he even recently put out Magical Meditations, and we're going to discuss that album, plus some upcoming project that he's got that he said was coming out around October 1st. We'll talk all about that later in the show. But as we work our way towards that, we have a lot of fun things to discuss. I stopped covering most of Disney, uh, and I'm not really paying that much attention to the parks. But, you know, they did open the... Uh, we spoke about it, I think, years ago. Uh, where In Epcot, they were building a restaurant that was going to be space-themed. It was supposed to be like you're on a ship. Uh, I believe it's called Space 222 or something. I don't know. I've been seeing some images. It is now open, and it, people have been struggling to try to be able to get in and check it out. And, whole oh, heck, people are struggling right now to be able to get to the parks. There's still a lot of people getting there, but... Uh, you know, as have we've talked about before, it's getting more and more difficult for people to be able to afford to go in the parks. Uh, but I, that looks like a really neat restaurant. I'd like to try it out. Uh, it would be awesome to be able to get a restaurant review. But, <laughs> yeah, I have to get in there to be able to do that. Uh, and I, I believe Lost Boy Eric has gone over to Walt Disney World. He sent me a photo over the new Ratatouille ride that is open, open to the French Pavilion and said something about sending us some audio. I don't have that audio yet, but I suspect Lost Boy Eric will be sending us some audio of that. Very, very soon, so we'll keep our ears open. But, you know, let's go into a little bit of what I call host chatter. Uh, it's just me this week, so I have nobody to chatter with but you. Uh, so what have I been watching? Uh, well, I with one of my jobs, I, I end up getting to work from home, and I am, I'm producing traffic for a lot of local radio stations. Basically, uh, for the company, we'll have somebody who's reading the traffic reports on the various stations here in the Kansas City area. And when I'm sitting here producing, I'm basically staring at a map, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. So what I've been doing is, uh, you know, since I'm here in my office, I do have a TV and I have my PlayStation in there and I can play Blu-rays and I can access a lot of streaming services in there. Uh, so that's why I got through the entire series of Friends as I kind of would uh, look over every once in a while and I would listen and I'm demonstrating it right now, but you can't tell because you can't see me. Uh, but I finished all 10 seasons of Friends, as you probably know. Uh, so I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And I have not seen every single episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, so this has been kind of fun. Although I've noted that with Star Trek, there are a lot more times that I actually have to look to see what's going on because uh, there are a lot of scenes, sometimes it's a lot less dialogue and you need to see what happens. Uh, but it's been working out. I've been able to, you know, keep up on my work and uh, keep an eye on Star Trek. And uh, I forgot just how good that show was. But I have noted that a lot of the technology 
is kind of dated. You know, this is supposed to be a far-flung future, and they have some technology. It's like, oh, well, we've grown past that already. So uh, it gets a little dated, but uh, that's actually something I was talking to uh, the real Brian from The Real Brian Show, and he mentions, like, you know, with, with Discovery, it seems like the imagination isn't there. They don't seem to be coming up with new devices that are so far above us because, you know, we... We know the iPhone was partially inspired by, you know, the tablets they would have in the next generation. And, you know, we don't have Gene Roddenberry anymore. Gene Roddenberry was great at coming up with uh, with devices that would lo- one day become kind of a reality. Because even a Star Trek, you know, had a flip phone. <laughs> so it seems uh, the, a lot of the newer Star Trek doesn't have quite the imagination of Gene Roddenberry to go off anymore. Uh, new shows also on Disney+. Plus. We've got a new Star Wars Visions. Uh, I managed to watch... Uh, part of one, I think I, I dozed off. I was, it was kind of late when I tried to watch when it came out there. Uh, and I think I woke up in the middle of a different episode and I had no idea what was going on. But this is like a, a anime stories. Uh, well, they're, they're Star Wars stories, but they're doing it in a completely different style. And even the planets. I mean, the first one I watched, they, they kind of did in black and white, except for, you know, laser blasts and lightsabers. Uh, but, you know, you could imagine a planet that maybe would look like ancient Japan, you know, because that's kind of what it looked like. So uh, I don't know if these are considered to be canon at all, but they're, you know, the one I saw most of was you know pretty cool, rather entertaining. And I love the animation. It looked very, very cool. Uh, I do look forward to looking at more of that. One thing I'm not quite looking forward to is there's a new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series on Netflix, which is computer animated and aimed at kids. And maybe kids will enjoy it, and I hope they do. But they really reinvented the will. I mean, for people who complain, oh, Revelation, they changed this. Okay, well, this is throw out everything you know about He-Man. And just, it's a brand new and completely different, with maybe a couple nods to some of the the, uh, the original, uh, like the mini comics. Uh, you know, one point we do, when we get it to Adam, he's he's not Prince Adam. Although I guess he is the prince, and I guess that comes up later, but I'm not going to watch that far. Uh, but he was part of a tiger tribe, so he was a barbarian, like in the original mini comics, where you have this barbarian, and he's given the stuff by the goddess, who would later would become known as the sorceress. The story has changed a bit until we kind of got and they locked it down for the filmation animated series to kind of set up a new canon, and then the 2000X series kind of expanded on that canon, the story, and the classics toy line kind of expanded on that story, and. So the story is going to have multiple different things. You know, they basically just want to be able to sell toys, but none of these figures, they don't look at all like the toys you remember. None of this cartoon looks like any of the cartoons you remember. It's like a completely reinvented the wheel. They've changed uh, the positions of who some characters are entirely. In fact, Ram Man became a Ram Ma'am. Uh, so, yeah, they've really, you know, it's, it's not appealing to me at all. Now, I've seen this some people in a lot of fan groups that I'm a part of for Masters of the Universe. They have been enjoying the show, and I don't know. These are the same people that fuss so much about Revelation that I'm like, really? But this you like. Revelation, which was kind of followed up the filmation very very nicely. But this one they're okay with. I'm like, okay. I guess if you're you're super close, but just a little off, they're going to complain. But if you're completely something entirely different, they won't fuss. This one, because it was so entirely different, and because I love what Master Universe has been, I you know I couldn't get into this one. But it's not aimed at me. It's aimed at little kids. And I think this is good for maybe younger kids. I think a seven-year-old one might enjoy this. Which is about the age I was when I, you know, watched the filmation series it was five or six or seven, something like that. So, what have I been playing? Now, I might have mentioned this before. I've been holding an event called Scareplay 2021 on the official Neverland Gaming Channel, where I'm trying to mostly every day play a bit of a survival horror game, and I completed The Evil Within. 
Now, the interesting thing is the end of that story, and I'm not going to say what it is, but uh, the end of the story kind of leaves things a little open where there's a little bit of detail you're kind of not given, and there's some DLC that has some of the other story content of what some of the other characters were actually doing. And I started playing some of that, but I got stuck because I'm not good at stealth, really, in these games. So I thought, well, all right, let me move on. Let me play Alien Isolation, which, of course, involves a lot of stealth. <laughs> so I really stuck myself in it, but I, I lowered the difficulty level. If I start getting good at the game mechanics of it, I will raise the difficulty level as I go, I figure. Uh, but I needed to try it out, and, you know, I wanted to get through the story, because that's part of the thing with the scare plays. I want to be able to work my way through the stories of these games and just kind of play them and complete them and have you come along with the journey. And I did over the weekend, just for a break and something fun, I played through about half of the old Ghostbusters game. Of course, this is the remastered for PlayStation, um, which I've, you know, I've played through it on the PlayStation and the Xbox 360. I love that game. But I played some of that and I streamed that just for something light and fun because that qualifies. It's ghosts and has some scare, jump scares and other things like that. And it's, you know, it's fun. So that's what I've been playing. Uh, also, one thing we want to throw in there is we want to say our goodbyes Y'all probably know that Norm MacDonald, a comedian uh, from Saturday Night Live and a few movies, passed away. He was very, very funny. He was sometimes, you know, uh, some language a bit crude. So I can't there. I don't know that there's any clips of him I really can play, uh, except for maybe, you know, some stuff he would do on Conan O'Brien. But he was very, very funny and very smart. And he wasn't afraid to tick people off, including everybody on The View, which is hilarious the way he would tick them off on The View. If you've seen that clip where he basically calls out Bill Clinton for killing a guy <laughs> and makes Joy Bearer very mad. <laughs> oh, it's it's really funny. He knew, and he always, he would he would do that thing to get you, and then he would have that grin. He was up to something. Uh, and, of course, remember him as Burt Reynolds on their Jeopardy parodies on Saturday Night Live, uh, where he would write his name as Turd Ferguson. <laughs> and, of course, the Weekend Update, which he, uh, he would write up a lot of his stuff. And uh, apparently got himself into trouble, but it was very, very funny. Uh, but he came up with some stuff. He spent a lot of time uh, basically saying O.J. Simpson was guilty during that entire trial. Oh, it's really good, funny stuff. He will be missed. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. All right, well, now the first thing, this I actually do have some park news. Let me just read, uh, this was a little, kind of an image they put out there. But uh, let me just read this. It says, extra, extra, it's like it's supposed to be a newspaper. Jessica Rabbit to become the newest private eye in Mickey's Toontown. Citing the recent return of the Toon Patrol weasels as the main driver behind the recent sharp rise in crime statistics throughout Mickey's Toontown, Jessica Rabbit has determined it is past time for her to throw in her fedora into the ring by starting her own private investigation service. While taking inspiration from longtime friend and legendary Toon detective Eddie Valiant, Jessica shows that she certainly means business. Jessica's fabled acting career has made her one of the most recognized stars in the Maroon cartoon family performers. Now she's using her celebrity to speak out. Enough is enough, Jessica was heard exclaiming last week. The good tunes of our neighborhoods are afraid to come out at night and it's getting worse by the day. Those weasels are up to something big. I'm going to find out what it is and put a stop to it. Watch out, weasels. Your reign of terror is over. So this is uh, Roger Rabbit's tune spin getting a new format and it's going to become a Jessica Rabbit ride. Which, of course, we all love Jessica Rabbit, but this isn't the Jessica Rabbit we all have come to know and love of uh, the uh, sultry songstress of the uh, Ink and Paint Club. This is, uh, she's uh, 
Some people think that they've also downplayed her um, features. Uh, you know. So, but this is what we're, we're what they're doing now. So, you know, we don't get Eddie Valiant or anything like that as a private detective, and his a character that's going to focus on Jessica and her going after the weasels, and she's a private detective because, yeah, she seems very qualified for that, doesn't she? So, yeah, this just it, it, this just falls into the category of the things Disney's doing that you're kind of like, mm, okay, I guess this is more of a you're trying to make a social commentary rather than entertain us. I guess <laughs> there's there's things they do that uh, we just kind of like okay yeah uh, so uh, it might be entertaining I've never gotten to see the tune spin as it is but this might work out well and be kind of cool and this might be like alrighty anyways 34 years ago the Princess Bride 45 years of the Muppet Show would you believe that one 45 years I remember seeing that like last week. We got more things to talk about them up, but later. Uh, if I was here with Philip, I would probably go through and uh, talk about some memories. But I believe we've discussed the Princess Bride and the Muppet Show at length already with some of our memories of that. But something else: thirty-five years of Alf, alien life form. And, um, this was huge back in the eighties. I remember loving this as a kid, and uh, I've got at least two sets of DVDs. So I got—I don't know if I got the entire series. I, they might be a season each. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're big, big collections. I got to at least two of those uh, from a collection of Alf. But this, of course, was a furry alien that wanted to eat the family cat as he had crash landed to live with the Tanner family on Earth. And craziness ensued. It was a great mixture of puppetry and live actors. And it was one of the things, if you, if you looked at it now, you wouldn't think it would work. But it worked. And it was fun. And it, it was popular. They had Burger King uh, toys. They had, like, little puppets at Burger King. And they had, like, little records with a song uh, that would come with each puppet. I remember we had a couple of them. We had a cooking with Alf, and we had one. He was a baseball. There was toys. There was a cartoon. I mean, Alf was huge. And then they ended the series by having him get captured by government agents. And when he was almost about to get on a ship with uh, Melmachians that had survived the explosion of his planet. Then they did a TV movie that he was locked in a lab. It didn't go over well. They, I think they tried to put him on a, uh, have him as a talk show host there. That didn't go over. It would be nice if they find a way to bring Alf back. It really would. 30 years ago, Nirvana's Nevermind was released. It did not catch on until, like, like in the spring. Uh, and I remember they had an appearance on Saturday Night Live where they played Smells Like Teen Spirit. I think that's the first time I heard any of their music. Uh, but they've actually got a re-release, a remastered version of that album, which is currently available for pre-order. Diablo 2 Resurrected. Speaking of things coming back, Diablo 2, I never actually got to... Uh, play Diablo 2 at all. Of course, I never really finished the first game. I think I still have it on my computer up in here. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I have never actually finished any Diablo game. Diablo 3 has been the one that I've had probably the most fun with, although it's a very, very different game, and it's it's very light, and it's more to play online. And I have not gone through the story, but I've played a lot of it with some friends just going through and playing different levels. Uh, so Diablo 2 Resurrected uh, coming out. I, I If it's not out now, it's out very soon. I think you can already order it for digital download on PlayStation and probably Xbox. And I believe even for the Nintendo Switch. Now, something else, by the way, I should have brought this up when uh, mentioning Masters of the Universe, but this is something that uh, it's not quite Masters of the Universe anymore. Uh, She-Ra live-action series is in the works over at Amazon. Now, I don't actually have a, a full-on Amazon account that I've got Amazon Prime. Philip does, and uh, I think I need to borrow from him to kind of watch. I want to see the documentary about Val Kilmer. But this, uh, is, there was a 2018 animated reboot, which I didn't bother watching. Uh, I, I like I like Shira being 
He-Man's sister. I love that entire story. I love her fighting the Horde. Uh, but if they're not going to acknowledge any connection to Masters of the Universe, they should not be allowed to have a Masters of the Universe villain. So, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with this live action. It's still early development. Writers not attached. Standalone story unconnected to previous animated series. That's it. That is all we know. <laughs> There's not much to say about it. I'll wait and we'll see what they manage to do with it because we keep having promises of movies from the Masters of the Universe line and, you know, that... That He-Man movie is we we keep keep getting it denied to us. It's not happening. Now here's some other news. This kind of made the rounds. The interesting thing is this seems like something that was said a long time ago, and I don't know how it just now made the news. But Marsha Lucas, uh, ex-wife of George, the editing mastermind, as uh, it says on Screen Rant, behind the original Star Wars movies, got kind of candid towards the the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And let me just read what she said. And you can kind of tell when she said it by what she says. I like Kathleen. I always liked her. She was full of beans. She was really smart and really bright. Really wonderful woman. And I liked her husband, Frank. I liked them a lot. Now that she's running Lucasfilm and making movies, it seems to me that Kathy Kennedy and J.J. Abrams don't have a clue about Star Wars. They don't get it. And J.J. Abrams is writing these stories. When I saw that movie where they kill Han Solo, I was furious. I was furious when they killed Han Solo. Absolutely, positively, there was no rhyme or reason to it. I thought, you don't get the Jedi story. You don't get the magic of Star Wars. You're getting rid of Han Solo. They have Luke disintegrate. They killed Han Solo. They killed Luke Skywalker. And they don't have Princess Leia anymore. And they're spitting out movies every year. And they think it's important to appeal to a woman's audience. So now their main character is this female who's supposed to have Jedi powers. But we don't know how she got Jedi powers or who she is. It sucks. The storylines are terrible. Just terrible. Awful. You can quote me, J.J. Abrams, Kathy Kennedy. Talk to me. Now, since she wants to be able to talk to these two, I think this was before the third film came out. And she was like, we need to fix this before you put this third movie out. That's kind of what I am getting from this. So this has probably been a while that she said this, and I don't know, you know, if this came from a tweet. Uh, yeah, it says in a snippet shared online by Twitter user Jedi Scum via IndieWire uh, is where this has come from. So, you know, the, that's so roundabout that it almost makes you wonder if she really said it. Seems like she did, but it does make you wonder. But everybody was really talking about that because it's like, see, we were saying, and, and I will say the sequel trilogy, I don't even like the sequel trilogy as much as the prequel trilogy, and the prequel trilogy was was okay. It was all right. Uh, but compared to the sequel trilogy, the prequels are so much better. And when I first saw so Force Awakens, this kind of thing, I said, well, at least that was better than the prequels. We would say that at the end of the movie, but now I would say, no, it was not better than the prequels. I will definitively say that. The prequels are better than the sequels. But the original trilogy still rules above all, in my opinion. Now, here's the thing. Helen Mirren is going to be hosting a four-part competition series called Harry Potter Hogwarts Tournament of Houses for Warner Media. This is, you know, of course, marking the 20th anniversary of the, the first film, which we talked about, uh, if not last episode, I think a couple episodes ago, we spoke about this. Uh, it's going to be on Cartoon Network and TBS, and then will debut on HBO Max at a date still yet to be determined. So we don't know when, but we know it's happening. Now, wouldn't you love to be on a Harry Potter quiz show? I think, I, I think I'd do pretty good. I would actually love to do that as well. All right, uh, now i got to do a few finagling things to get my next story up because I have to go into my own Facebook account to be able to look at this. Here we go. Nintendo Switch Online Expansion. Nintendo 64 games. Yes. Now, for those of you who have a Nintendo Switch... You probably already know that you can play 
some old Nintendo and some Super Nintendo games. They, they've put some good stuff and then a lot of what is this games on there, <laughs> you know, but for now they've decided they're going to put some Nintendo 64 games that you can play, but you have to you have to have an online account, but it's, it's like three ninety nine a month. It's really not much to be able to play your Nintendo Switch online. It's a great deal, and they give you a lot. It's one of the best things Nintendo has done with this system, because Nintendo games, even a used game, you're still going to pay about 50, 60 bucks. But if you go through their online service, they'll give you some good stuff. Super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, Yoshi's Story, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Win Back, Overt Operations, no idea about that one, Dr. Mario 64, Sin and Punishment, no idea, Mario Tennis 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Pokemon Snap, The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, Mario Gar- Golf, Paper Mario, and F-F-Zero-X, all coming to Switch Online. I don't know when, but it's coming. It's coming. And there's people in the comments uh, where IGN had shared this information on Facebook. So, well, where's GoldenEye and Perfect Dark? Come on, Nintendo, get it together. Those were not Nintendo-made games. Those were made by Rare. I don't expect you're going to get those. And somebody even mentions, I don't think you're going to get it here. Better chance of getting that on Xbox, because I believe Rare has made an exclusive deal with Xbox or Microsoft now. But, remember, Nintendo and Sega started to when Sega quit making consoles and just decided to concentrate on games, they started working with Nintendo. So the Nintendo Switch online expansion, Genesis Games, Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hardcore, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Echo the Dolphin, Golden Axe, Gunstar Heroes, Fantasy Star 4, Rise Star, Shining Force, Son of the Hedgehog 2, Streets of Rage 2, Musha, M-U-S-H-A, it's all in with dots. Fantasy Star 4, Shinobi 3, and Strider. Now, I think a lot of those games I have access to, uh, they have a lot of Sega Genesis collections they put out for, like, PlayStation 3. I think I have one on Xbox 360. I have it for PlayStation 4, where you can play a lot of old Sega Genesis games. But this is still pretty cool. And I think I have more to say about, uh, like, uh, Castlevania. I don't know if I have it listed, but uh, there is... About to be released, because there's a Castlevania collection already out there now that has all the Nintendo games, including, I think, Symphony of the Night and um, Rondo of Blood. I never did pick I need to pick that one up. Although I already own, I swear, I've probably got two copies of uh, Symphony of the Night somewhere, because I love that game. So, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I thought about getting that set. But now another Castlevania collection, which is going to have some handheld games and some of the later games, I believe, with that as well. A lot of really cool stuff coming, and uh, there's already a nice set from uh, for a Contra collection, which I do have, I believe, on my Nintendo Switch. Tom Felton says he's on the mend, officially. He had uh, some sort of incident. He was out uh, playing a golf tournament. He's only 34. And this is, uh, of course, we know Tom Felton is playing Draco Malfoy, speaking of the Harry Potter franchise. Had a, a medical incident. Now, I haven't heard anything of what this was, but he was carted off the course, and he was conscious. Uh, and he, the spectators were applauding that he was going to treatment. He might have just dehydrated or anything like that, but uh, they're saying that he is fine. He's feeling better. Uh, he even went to Instagram to tell everybody he's okay. Uh, so uh, I haven't watched the clip, so I don't know if it's safe to play. I don't know if he swore or anything. So uh, I do have a trailer that I can't play because somebody's going to swear in it. And uh, that's not kind of the show I run. But yeah, Tom Felton is fine. Now, something else. This is pretty cool. So we spoke a while back. The Spider-Man No Way Home, we got a good look at Doc Ock. And we even got to see a pumpkin bomb. Sam Raimi got a chance to take a look at this. 
And let's see, that was beautiful, the filmmaker said during a larger conversation about Netflix's Nightbooks. It looks great. The animation's great. I'm assuming it's not puppeted because when we did Doc Ock, we had puppets the animation for his octopus tentacles. But it was smooth and powerful, and I loved his costume they kept from the original. I think it's going to be a great movie. Alfred Molina openly discussed the project in the spring, revealing that he was digitally de-aged for No Way Home. It was very interesting going back after seven years, 17 years to play the same role, given that in the intervening years, I now have two chins, a waddles, crow's feet, and a slightly dodgy lower back, he admitted. These are all on Sci-Fi Wire, you know, the uh, the whole thing for the uh, Sci-Fi channel, or (laughs) Siffy, I guess it's now S-Y-F-Y, I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, Sam Raimi could not divulge any details about next year's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is his first Marvel project since Spider-Man 3. And he says here, they don't let me say anything. I guess not. I'm sorry. So the Cuban, of course, spoilers away. But Sam Raimi, he's a great choice for that movie, and I'm very excited to see what he does with it. You know, because here recently I even watched... Uh, Evil Dead 2. I've tried to watch some of that uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, I, I can't give it a full recommendation. It's kind of fun, but yeah, I, uh, it's extremely violent, and there's a bit of nudity and stuff. It's like, so on this show, I cannot give the official endorsement, and uh, I've gone through about two episodes, and I, you know, I don't know if I'll be sticking with it. Uh, it's kind of fun, but I don't know. It's somehow, the charm isn't there. The charm isn't there that makes makes the other ones kind of fun. I don't know, but yeah, there's. I'm sure they, they, the big fans of that are, you know, probably better to watch that. And I'm not a huge fan of the like the Evil Dead movies or anything like that, so uh, that's fine. So here's kind of a weird thing. The estate of comic book artist Steve Ditko, this according to comicbook.com, has filed two notice of copyright termination with Disney Marvel with regard to the copyright for both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Uh, this stems apparently from a Copyright Act in 1976. This allows for creators and their heirs to regain the rights to a work, offering them, giving them an opportunity to share in later economic success of their works and to regain that previously granted copyright or copyright rights. Now, there's a lot of legalese and things going on, but this basically means Stephen Ditko's family can still own some rights. Now, Steve Ditko is a co-creator. The characters came were, were Stan Lee, the writer. He came up with the characters. Steve Ditko designed the look of these characters and his art really contributed a lot and we don't want to take anything away from that so i don't know what they're attempting to get from this so if copyright termination notices uh if granted they only count toward the u.s rights for the work and also do not include any derivative works made from it originally the notices filed by Patrick J. Ditko, nephew of the prolific artist, are specifically seeking to terminate the copyright on the Spider-Man story from Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the origin story of Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange story from Strange Tales 110. Both of these are the official origin stories for both characters, but also introduce other major Marvel characters in the canon, like the Ancient One, Wong, Aunt May, and Uncle Ben. Several creators have apparently successfully terminated the copyright for their works and have regained their rights in recent years, including the estate of Wes Craven for A Nightmare on Elm Street, Clive Barker for, with his novella that inspired Hellraiser, and more. Now, since he's a co-creator, I, you know, I guess he's has some rights, but I, I don't know what the end game is, other than this nephew uh, just stirring the pot and making a name for himself. But, I mean, and maybe he wants to make sure he's getting some residuals. I don't. I, if there's going to be residuals, I don't know why it's not going to Steve get Ditko's children, or why, why this nephew is coming along. I don't know what's going on. 
Uh, another thing it says here on comicbook.com, it's worth noting that the family of a prolific comic book creators has previously tried this on Marvel with the family of Jack Kirby filing some 45 termination notices of copyright. Though they lost their case in multiple count courts when Kirby's work was deemed work for hire, the family and Marvel would later announce they had amicably resolved their legal disputes. It's unclear if this was a monetary settlement with regard to Kirby estate, but since a future film of The Eternals is due out in two months, that seems likely. So not sure exactly what's going on with this. Uh, they want to be able to have rights to, I guess, the artwork, but, you know, it, you, we're doing a job for Marvel. It's kind of, I don't know, I think it goes to Marvel, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see exactly what happens with that. So there was a nice announcement. Uh, I'm not sure if the audio is going to really help you out with this. Uh, let me make sure the audio is triggered to play for you. I just realized I hadn't set that up. But uh, what we've got going on here is a big announcement, and I, I the things that I don't quite understand is I I think I've got these. They already released these, and I've got them for the PlayStation 4, like the Aladdin games, and I think uh, the Lion King games came with it, but... Uh, a Jungle Book game I don't think we got out before. So it's the Disney Classic Games Collection, now featuring every 16-bit Aladdin, which I, I thought we had every 16-bit Jungle Book, which that I don't think was released before. More games. It looks like it's got some Game, game Boy stuff and some behind-the-scenes, some of the animation. Uh, you can play the music directly, so... See, what this makes me wonder is can I get what I already own and can I just get it updated to this version? I don't know. But this was an announcement made this week, and, uh, you know, this is pretty cool. But like I said, I already bought this. Disney Day is coming. Here we go. Disney Plus Day. This is the anniversary. That's Two a beautiful, years. Beautiful thing. Jeff Goldblum. The World of Conan, according to Jeff Goldblum, season two. Dreaming about adventure. Jungle Cruise coming. You can't outrun your destiny. Shang Chi. Thank you. Third season, Mandalorian. Gets ten gold blooms out of a possible ten gold blooms. A lot of stuff happening. November twelfth. That's basically what that is. A lot of new stuff coming. New game was announced this week that looked kind of neat. This is called Breakwaters. Now, there really isn't any dialogue here. Let me re just read you what IGN has about it. It says, it's a world of exploration. It's a survival game. You can manipulate water to move through the game world, solve puzzles, and more. It looks beautiful in design. Uh, I don't think this is really like an action-oriented game from the look of it. It looks like it's going to be a lot of puzzle and maybe some world building. But it just has a beautiful natural looking design. I mean, it doesn't look like it's entirely real, It ha but it's not cartoony. It's like somewhere in the middle. It's a very beautiful design. And the music, of course, sounds really, really neat. It's called Breakwaters. Uh, I am not sure when this game is coming, and I don't know what systems, and unfortunately this does not tell me anything in this little video that I found. But here we go. The Castlevania Advance Collection. This is what I was speaking of earlier. 
I don't know if it's uh, going to have much dialogue for you to be able to follow along. Four legendary fan favorite Castlevania games. That is Circle of the Moon. Harmony of Dissonance. Aria of Sorrow. And these, I believe, they look like they're for like we're on the Game Boy Advance, and that's why they're calling it the Advance Collection. Because graphically, it's, uh, this, you can tell it's very handheld, it's very low poly. Uh, animation looks good. And then Dracula X. Which looks more like a 16-bit game from the style of it. Looks like you're playing as Richter Belmont in this one. Enhanced with brand new features. Rewind function, so you can rewind to a previous moment. Try again, so if you mess up. <laughs> a quick save and quick load. Save and load anytime in the game. There's a gallery of some of the artwork that was unreleased. A music player. How cool is that? I mean, music in Castlevania has always been good. An encyclopedia of all the creatures. And of course, it's basically all this 2D action game stuff. Just, just looks great. I need to get that other set, though. I'm not good at Castlevania games, but they're just really cool, and they are really good games. So uh, I'm, I'm fairly excited about that. I think I'd be interested in getting that. All right, but now it's time. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. Welcome to the home of fear and fright, where not all guests survive the night. The lucky souls will live to tell, and those who don't will rot in. What's the matter with you? You can't say that. This is a family show. What are you doing? Welcome, foolish muppets, to tonight's very special Halloween challenge. We just have to survive the night in this haunted mansion. Everything here will seem familiar. But your eyes may deceive you. Oh, oh. I'm the mysterious Madame Pagota! Wait, stop! You turn it down, I can't hear myself think! Take five, everybody! Where are you going? No! Ah. Happy Halloween! This place is really haunted! <laughs> Lend me your fear. It's showtime. Usually I'm worried about dying up here, but looks like you beat me to it. <laughs> Don't you have anything better to do than boo me? <laughs> Tough no. room. Ooh, indoor lightning. I'm not a shrimp. Close enough. <laughs> Shaka waka! If by sunrise. 
will fail this endeavor, then you must remain here forever. I'm out of here! How did you... I could just eat you alive. That's sweet, right? Muppets Haunted Mansion, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. October 8th. That's coming up very, very, very soon. Uh, I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous, because Muppets haven't really done anything that great with anything in a while. At Muppet Studios, I'm not entirely that confident, <laughs> really, to tell you the truth. But this potentially is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's two of my favorite things. The Muppets and the Haunted Mansion brought together. How could this go wrong? Well, uh, yeah, let me count the ways. But I hope, I mean, this looks like it could be fun. I'm just going to be hopeful that it it will be great. Because it, it it could be. It, 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 could, it could really be. You never know. I'm not going to get my hopes up, though. I've spent a lifetime studying the dark arts and uncovered many unnatural forces, but none compared to the urn's powers. Hello? Excuse me, uh, Undertaker. It's your boys, the New Day! My urn loves to consume the souls of the good. Power of the urn to the power of positivity, because then we'd be unstoppable. What I tell you, Uncle Taylor! Hey! My urn will force you to confront your deepest, darkest fears. Who has a morgue in their house? I mean, it is The Undertaker. That's just fog. It's Undertaker's fog. I ain't touching it. All right. It's fine. See? Are you brave enough to wield my urn? The choice is yours. All you gotta do is join me. I think you're brave enough to face more fear. The choice. Yours. Escape the Undertaker, a Netflix exclusive. You You're gonna have to go through me. Uh, now, I believe this is coming, yes, October 5th, only on Netflix. Now, what's gonna make this fun? Okay, even though if you might not be and never been a wrestling fan, you're not familiar with The Undertaker and New Day. I'm not that familiar with New Day, but I'm familiar with The Undertaker. He's been around forever. And uh, the New Day, uh, they are fun. Uh, there's us three guys, Xavier Woods, and um, I think the current WWE champion. Uh, oh, what was Big E? I don't know what his last name is. And then um, uh, Kofi Kingston. The three of them, and it's them, and they're they're just you know lighthearted and fun uh, with the three of them together. It's the new day, and uh, so they're going to the Undertaker's place to get the urn because they think they mix it with their positivity. They could be unstoppable, and they have to get through the Undertaker and a choose your own adventure. You get to choose how the story goes. You get to make choices. Uh, so this will be worth watching multiple times. This may be one of the best things the WWE has actually put out in a very long time. <laughs> really, because AEW's got better programming, and I kind of wish I still had cable. I'd be watching more AEW. Uh, but this looks cool. This is coming in a, in a Netflix exclusive. Something else exclusive to Netflix. 
Stranger Things Season 4. Well, with music playing like this, I'm gonna skip ahead. So there, we're introduced to this house and this family here, the Creel house. Could you maybe clarify what sort of clues we're supposed to be looking for here? The world is full of obvious things, which nobody by any chance ever observes. Sherlock Holmes. Twenty twenty two, Stranger Things season four. So uh, I couldn't play the entire thing because I mean it starts out and we're seeing the Creel family and it's, it looks like it's like the, in the forties fifties and the music is playing. It's going to give me a copyright strike, so I had to skip ahead to where we see now it moves on to the to the eighties uh, and we see the regular old cast of kids uh, going and exploring the Creel house. Now I don't know what's up with the Creel house. I don't know if it's going to be a major focus of the entire series or what. I have no idea what this is going on. I have not researched anything in that because I don't want to know too much. And I don't want to spoil anything for you either. Here's something else that I knew was happening. I didn't expect to get to be able to see a, ta a trailer for it. But uh, I'm excited. This is called American Underdog. Starring as Zachary Levi. As Kurt Warner. Good to see me, sir. Sit down, Kurt. Thank you, Coach. I prefer to stand. All right. Go ahead, then. Tell me. Tell you what. Why a team worth $800 million, one of the most complex offenses ever built, should put you in the driver's seat. You're too old to be a rookie, too green to be a pro. So why in the world would I give you this shot? All my life, I've defined myself through sports. Always come up empty. Coach, I can win for you. You need to start thinking about life after football, son. We gave you the chance. We're letting you go. I was meant for something. Something more. You think you could be that guy? Yeah, I do. What are you doing here? I wasn't ready for it. But I am now. You defied all odds. I've waited for it. I've bled for it. I know who I am. And I know why I'm here. If you give me a chance. Green went down hard and is not getting up. I will not let you down. Special about you, son. Destiny. Come on, Seth, the underdogs. You want to prove that? So this is Zachary Levi as Kurt Warner. Anna Paquin as as his wife. I don't know what his wife's name is. And then Dennis Quaid is a coach there for um, the Rams, it looks like. 
But also, at one point, you might have recognized his voice. You see Adam Baldwin make an appearance in this film as a coach, I think probably in Iowa, because uh, Kurt Warner's from Iowa, and it looks like it's some smaller league kind of stuff. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> somebody who's actually commented on you on the YouTube says, the insane part is they could make an American underdog, too, with Kurt Warner's time at the Cardinals, and it would be a great story. Because for those of you who maybe don't remember... Um, like Kurt Warner, I mean, he was working, and they even show him, he was working at a grocery store. He'd done some arena football, and he was a second stringer over the St. Louis Rams, and then Trent Green, who eventually ended up coming over here to the Kansas City Chiefs and playing for us after he got hurt that one year, and then Kurt Warner stepped up, and the Rams went to the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's a big story. You know it's going to a great place, but it's uh, watching the uh, story getting there. And I tell you what, I'm just inspired by that. I am so excited to see that movie. I've always, always been a fan of Kurt Warner. I think he's very much a good guy. Oh, my goodness. It looks like uh, the story I was trying to get to that had some details about uh, Cobra Kai Season 4 uh, with a premiere date. I can't get to that story on IGN anymore, but it's coming up soon. Uh, also, there was I found a trailer, and I don't think I know if I can pull this up either. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, that's got a release date and a pre-order guide. Another Kirby game. And then Aquaman 2 has uh, some cast for some villains, and uh, hopefully this is still up. There we go. Uh, yeah, as, as you might, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm having problems with IGN to be able to look at all these stories. I should have just copied over the information I want, but they have, you know, added a cast to it. Maybe if I pull all this stuff on my regular <laughs> browser instead of a, a separate I apologize. Things kind of just went technical. I've been having all kinds of technical issues today. What in the world? Oh, I see what might have went wrong here. There we go. Cobra Kai. There we go. Now, I can't play you the audio of this here trailer that they, they uh, put on there. Well, doggone. IGN is just not helping me uh, be able to look at stuff. But, uh, yes, they did uh, Season 3. And looking at this this teaser trailer, basically you get to see we've got Daniel and Johnny working together. To uh, which we saw at the end of the last season, they're in their you know they're they're balanced they're a balance of each other because they're they're very much two different philosophies in this, and of course we see even the villain uh, Terry Silver from Karate Kid Part Three will be making an appearance and uh, being in this series as well. Uh, so this looks very very cool. Uh, of course, uh, we're looking at this to be December thirty first, twenty twenty one. Guess what I'll be doing to stay up for New Year's this year? Can you? Can you guess? All right, let me see if I can now get this Kirby story to pop up so we can talk a little bit about a new Kirby game. But uh, I think this wasn't supposed to be part of my trailer park. I think I was supposed to... Uh, well, here we go. Of course, I guess I played some game trailers earlier. <laughs> that was a separate news story. Very spooky for a Kirby game. Looks like a, sh uh, a shopping mall that nature has kind of reclaimed. Looks like some out of The Last of Us. It's abandoned city. Very apocalyptic, but bright colors with Kirby. Is this the island of dreams we're looking at? I haven't played a whole lot of Kirby games, but uh, they're fun. Looks like he's washed up on a beach.
So, this is Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, you can get it on Amazon $59.99. It's in the Nintendo eShop. Not quite available at the time of this press release, but uh, Kirby wanders into an overgrown urban landscape. We see parts of the road destroyed, some buildings, and a colorful 3D world that Kirby is hopping around in. But yeah, there's not much dialogue for you to get anything other than audio, but this looks so cute and adorable. It's everything you expect from a Kirby game if you are a fan of the Kirby game series. Bright colors and a fun little pink bubblegum looking dude. I mean, <laughs> it's it's everything you could want from a Kirby game. All right, let me hop over here and let's talk about some of these villains that were cast. Let's see here. I'm getting a lot of last names. Here we go. So they have tapped Johnny Zhao, India Moore, and Vincent Reagan to star alongside Jason Momoa and Aquaman in The Lost Kingdom. And they got this story originally from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so I'm getting a look at these actors. Uh, I'm not that familiar with some of the villains of the DC Universe, including, of course, Aquaman. And uh, so Patrick Wilson as Orm, and they're coming back. Yahya Abdul-Mateen as Black Manta. I expect to see a lot out of Black. Amber Heard is coming back as Mira. I wasn't sure that was going to happen because, well, and the weird, crazy stuff. Dolph Lundgren is coming back as King Nereus. I need to watch the first movie again. Plot details being kept underwater, it says The Hollywood Reporter, but it says Zhao is playing a mystery character named Stingray. Moore is playing longtime DC character Karshan. The character was originally a Green Lantern villain who was originally a shark that, after being hit with radiation, gained intelligence and telepathic powers. Regan is playing Atlan, the ancient ruler of Atlantis who caused the city to sink into the sea. character briefly appeared briefly in 2018 Aquaman movie. was portrayed by Graham McTavish. A plot thread in that movie featured Aquaman finding Atlan's trident. So uh, I'm excited for this. This is December 16th, 2022. So we're... You know, a little more than a year away from this movie coming out, but I did enjoy the first one, so uh, I'm expecting this to be really cool. The big news, though, that everybody's talking about, Super Mario Brothers, the animated film from Illumination. We've got a nice full-on cast here. Uh, and let's see if I just got a complete list. I mean, um, people have been talking about Chris Pratt as Mario. Uh, you've got Anya Taylor-Joy, which... Um, I'm not that familiar with it. I don't think I've seen anything she's in, but she looks familiar. I think uh, and, uh, she might be from the King's Gambit and perhaps that um, the New Mutants. Uh, that's what she kind of looks like, but I'm not entirely sure. Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, and Seth Rogen. I really don't care about Seth Rogen. I don't, I don't enjoy him at all. But Chris Pratt did great with animation in the Lego movies. Uh, so, you know, normally, and I've, I've seen even a friend of mine who's been posting to Facebook and, you know, he's got a point. It's like, why don't they cast voice actors? Or do they, you know, because they always go for celebrity names to help sell a movie anymore. And they never really cast voice actors. And I think a lot of people would like to have seen the longtime voice of Mario from the games have voiced Mario in an animated version. Uh, but that's not the way Hollywood works. Uh, but I'm still pretty excited for this. Oh, here we go. So Chris Pratt is Mario. Charlie Day is Luigi. Princess Peach, yes, the Queen's Gambit and recent Emmy nominee, Emmy nominee, I'm really good with this, Emmy nominee, Anya Taylor-Joy, playing bad guy Bowser is Jack Black, I love that, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek, and stand-up comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, as, Manis, Maniscalco? I've never heard of him, as Spike, I'm not sure who Spike is. But there we go, and it says each voice actor was cast for their ability to capture the unique spirit of the character. Jack Black is Bowser. I, I kind of love that. <laughs> I really do. 
So this is being financed between Universal and Nintendo, and of course produced by Illumination and founder and CEO Chris Melandandri and representative director and fellow Nintendo Shigeru Miyamoto, which of course him having to be involved is a good thing. Get get the guy who, who brought them to the world. Okay, well, that's all I have for you for news. And uh, now, you know, I know we're almost an hour into the program and we're just getting to the good stuff. Let's now bounce over to my time, my conversation with Tom Amin. Okay, so I know it's been a long time since we've talked to this guy. It's been a long time, but you all remember Tom Amin and he had done this really cool album where he did Star Wars music on the piano and did like his own versions of stuff. It was called Journey to the Stars. And I think last time we talked to him, he had Journey to the Stars. And also I remember at the same time I picked up Piano and Pixie Dust had all kinds of great Disney songs on it. And it's just it's just a great fun listen to. And it's always it's I call it great dinner music because it's that nice. It makes you feel like you're eating a nice fancy place when you have this great <laughs> piano music going. <laughs> but uh, here over uh, the course of COVID, when I had a pretty stressful time, it seems that Tom's been busy. <laughs> they lock you up a quarantine and you just sit there on that piano and say, I'm going to get to work. <laughs> I know. What else can I do? Right. All the gigs are gone and the restaurant playing is gone. And I thought I might as well get to work and try to come up with some good stuff, especially Disney music, because it's just so universal. And even I love listening to it to help make me feel better. So yeah. I thought, oh, let's give it a try and see what happens. And it did help out because you put out Magical Meditations. Uh, and it's been a while. I meant to talk to you when that one came out. But everything, you, you, your father had passed away, I believe. And then I got busy with stuff. So we just didn't quite get everything set up. I know. Thank you. It was actually, it was my mom that passed away. Oh, it was your away, mom. Why was I thinking it was your was, dad? My goodness. It's okay. It's totally fine. And that happened back in May. And I believe Magical Meditations came out, I think, right before all that was happening. I believe it came out in May. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I had wanted to do, I know I'm not alone in this. There are times where I just kind of want to escape the world, you know, and just rest, go away for an hour. So what I do is like, I'll shut the lights off and I'll just lay on the couch, put on some headphones and just listen to music. Mm -hmm. And I like to do that just to kind of drift away. And I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool to do a Disney album of uh, meditative music, but like, so you're listening to music that can help you relax or go to sleep or take a nap, but it's Disney themed music. I yes. thought that would be kind of interesting to try. That's what gave me the motivation to do it or to try it. So that's the motivation behind the album. And I wanted to do, there's 14 songs on it because I wanted it to be long enough that it could last oh, about an hour. Maybe I think it's a little less than an hour, but I wanted it to last a while so that if people were listening to fall asleep to you know, that, that gives them time to drift off or if they're napping for an hour or whatever, even just meditating, it would last a, a good chunk of time for them to do that. Well, it did, definitely came in handy because yeah, I was very stressed out, I think, over the course of this year. And even <laughs> during the course of this time, I had a house flood uh, from some plumbing. Oh, oh so no. I was actually attempting to sleep up here in my office on a very uncomfortable futon. And so... There we go. Oh, Looky there. No. I can pull up iTunes and I can play the, have the computer play this softly and like, hey, that's nice. That's really nice. I'm going to There you go. Now. So, yes, it works. <laughs> good. As long as it helps you relax. That's the whole point of it. So oh, that's yeah. good. And it's fun because it's like you're hearing tunes you're familiar with, but you've done them mm-hmm. in just such a nice, peaceful way that because you know, normally, you know, you hear 
like even like the piano and pixie dust, you hear the tune and part of you still kind of wants to sing along with it. But with the, I don't mm-hmm. know, with this one being just nice, I wasn't so much singing along as I was just ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's the whole point of it. So that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I did my job yeah. because that's what I want people. Yeah, you just kind of want to just take a breath, you know, and mm-hmm. just uh, exhale, breathe, relax, just take a break because it's been, you know, the past year and a half has just been so stressful yes, for all it has. of us and oh, yes. with everything that's going on. So it's just nice to take a break now and then and just kind of relax and let go, you know. Mm-hmm. And what was fun about this is I remember last time I talked to you that people have accused you of being a little heavy handed on the piano. I'm like, well, yes. this album is certainly not heavy handed. This is just very nice and soft. And I'm like, yeah, this is like he's petting a cat. <laughs> it's completely different, completely different. You know, I was trained classically, so my hands are usually very heavy on the piano, but that's the way I like it. You know, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. This had to be completely different. This one, I just want to be really pulled back. And if you notice, if you listen to the album, you'll notice there's not a lot of movement in the piano. It's mm-hmm. very, very basic, simple chords and progressions. And it's what I use, what they call felt piano, which is where they put like a piece of felt between the keys, the hammers and the strings in the piano. So it produces a much softer sound naturally. And you get to hear, if you listen close, you can hear the, the, the sound of the hammers hitting the strings. You'll hear the little puss sound, the little of the hammers hitting the strings. And it's a very soft sound. And that's what I wanted the whole album to sound like. Hmm. So it's really cool. And I just added little instrumentations here and there. Like you'll, mm-hmm. there's some flutes in certain songs. There's a cello in one and there's some oboes and stuff in other pieces, but it's mainly just piano yeah. in this very simple, simple, uh, style. You don't think about how versatile the piano really is until you start really mm-hmm. paying attention. Uh, there's even a guy on YouTube I like to watch. Um, he's somewhere, I think in South America. I want to say he's in, okay. Brazil, uh, but he calls himself like Lord Vinintin. It's really hard to pronounce, but he's very fun to watch because <laughs> cool. he uh, he apparently you can pay him to he'll do online instruction for a piano if you can you know get you know he you know he's got a heavy accent so he doesn't talk a whole lot in his videos. Okay. But one of his signature okay. things is kind of funny is he'll point right at the camera, but he will he will go through and say here are songs that you know but you didn't know the titles of, and he'll play oh, you know a little bit of Claire de Lune. Uh, little bits of stuff. It's like, you've heard this tune, but you know, and these are, you know, he'll go through a lot of composers that would compose stuff kind of directly on the piano and you can almost recreate an orchestra on a piano. Oh, wow. I mean, you can't, you can't get all the different sounds of the instruments, but you can fit all the instrumentation because you can spread them fingers and you can hit entire chords. I'm like, you, you know, you almost don't need all that backup on the piano, but when you do add the backup, it's just that much nicer. It's really cool. The piano is very versatile. It can be very full and sound orchestral in a way. Mm -hmm. It can be very soft and laid back. You know, the piano is used in jazz. It's in classical music. It's in progressive music. It's in almost every style. It's, It's a very versatile instrument. It really is. Oh, yeah. Um, and we think back of the old ragtime songs and this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember having to learn like Scott Joplin rags and they're hard because they're they stretch out the hands a lot. It's a lot of <laughs> octave work and you're doing 13th notes like it's like crazy. There's a lot of stretching involved, but it's fun music. And yeah, think about that mm-hmm. and how lively that is. And then think about like a beautiful classical piece, you know, that, that's piano. It's, it's amazing. How versatile it really is. 
Yeah, and it's it's one of those wild things. Like it, you can add so much actually, even to you know, because I listen to a lot of rock and some metal, and when mm-hmm. they add a piano somewhere into it or add a keyboard part, it mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it just adds some that something a little bit special. It's almost like when you hear a metal song and you know you have like Jethro Tull. I was actually just talking to this guy. Uh, as another interview for a completely different show because uh, okay. he plays flute as well as playing bass in a, in a very heavy metal band. I'm like, you know, one of these times you got to just throw in that, get that flute out and say, you know what? If Jethro Tull can do it, and I've heard other bands called Tourniquet, that they do like this metal sound and then they'll break and have this awesome flute solo in the middle. I'm like, oh, dude, you wouldn't think That's it would so work. Cool. But but yeah, I, I, I hearing strings so cool. in rock music, hearing piano in rock music, it just yeah. fits. I mean, anybody who doesn't understand how piano fits in rock music, I mean, Granted, okay, Billy Joel doesn't play like a lot of hard rock, but I mean, come on, right, the stuff Billy right. Joel could do on a, or Elton John, people, what they can mm-hmm. do on a piano, it's just like, come on. It's amazing. So amazing. Yeah, it fits in many genres. Mm-hmm. I, I love the instrument. That's why I play it, because <laughs> I love it. Yep, I have one sitting in the house, and I have no idea how to play it, and it's completely out of tune. <laughs> Oh no, Jeremy, we got to get you some piano lessons. That's what you need. Yeah, I remember even... Uh, Let's see. I guess I was still a teenager. It was probably about my sophomore year in high school. Uh, okay. My parents had gotten a piano actually in the old house. And I thought, well, I was going to learn how to play it. So I went to a music mm. store. I bought a complete songbook of The Little Mermaid. And I bought nice. the uh, some sheet music for the the theme from Jurassic Park. And I said, I'm going to sit and figure this out because I know how it's supposed to sound. And I, I learned how mm-hmm. to do uh, a, a scale, you know, with a little crossover cool. on your thumb. Of but course. then... Because I'm used to playing trumpet. I can read treble clef. I could not read bass clef for the life of me. So I went through that Little Mermaid book, and I kind of sounded out, and I went, dude, you know, a chord and a few notes at a time, (laughs) and I got to where I could play the melody on the right hand, and I looked over at the bass clef and said, I have no idea what I'm looking at. (laughs) So that's about as far as I got. (laughs) That's as far as you got. Yeah, Yeah, you do have to learn another clef for the piano. I didn't learn bass clef until singing choir in church, and they decided, you know, we need more people who can sing bass, and I think I'm more of a natural... um, in between a tenor and bass, what do you call that? A baritone. Baritone. I kind of yes. have, despite my my high pitched sounding voice, I, I sing at a baritone level, so I can sing bass. I just can't get all the way down there, but Got I can it. sing it down here. So there I, you go. I, I learned a general concept of, of reading bass clef because I had to, but I you know, I still don't do it as well as I do treble. So <laughs> it's okay. Well, I understand. <laughs> I think treble's naturally easier for most people, even for me. You know, it's hard. It's easier for me to read the treble clef than the bass clef. I don't know why that is. Yeah, I think we get used to it because that you know when you sit there like once again it's in church, you're sitting there, you're looking at treble clef the entire yeah. time. You go to in school, they're going to teach you what face, and then every good boy does fine, or every good yep. girl does fine. That's that's true. Uh, so yeah. you, we we get it taught that, then they don't take the time to say, oh, by the way, here's bass clef. Unless you decide right. to go into orchestra or band and you're going to say, well, I'm sure. going to learn how to play the tuba. You know, they're like, oh, here's the bass clef. Oh, my gosh. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, I'm sure my wife can read it well because she used to play piano. So and the, the piano we have now is one that uh, she inherited from uh, her family. And it's been sitting there kind of collecting dust or whatever. Oh. So it's, it's kind of out of tune. I need to pay somebody to come and <laughs> tune it. But then again, I'm also, I'm kind of reminded of Rolf where uh, I would think it's the Christmas special where Rolf is saying, oh, I love how to do pianos. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? You know, as long as I can get the stuff down. So my wife right. is still trying to find all the music she had when she was younger and get it from her parents' house. So she wants to go through and do all this stuff. And so, OK, well, you're going to have to teach me now. 
That's fun to do. I have a lot of st- I have a lot of music still at my parents' house, my old music. And I have some music here as well here in California that I have under my bed, like in a box. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's fun to go through the old stuff and see what you were learning at the time. And I have, you know, I had cheap music from now. I'm a little, I think I'm a little older than you because I was a teenager in the eighties, but early eighties is when I started piano and I was getting sheet music for ET nice. and star Wars and all those kind of song, like theme songs that I was learning at the time. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Especially cause it's John Williams. So <laughs> he's my idol. Oh, yeah, he's yes. one of the, he's the best. So we got to love him. Yeah. And it's also, he's got such complicated music that that's the uh even though i bought sheet music for the theme to jurassic park mm-hmm. i never was able to really hack it <laughs> but uh there was a guy at my high school though that he also played in band uh i think it was his senior year uh he was he he, he was the one who taught me a little bit to where i could at least got to where i started learning trying to do the scales and doing some exercises okay. but i brought him the sheet music for the theme to jurassic park and he just sat down and kind of looked at it and he says "Ooh, this is difficult but let me go and he he went for it and he, he made some mistakes he's like this is we're actually really difficult but you know uh. he played it so I was like, yeah, at least somebody's been able good. to get through this because I sure can't. <laughs> I know. And that's one of my favorite themes of his. It's just such a great theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it just instantly brings. That's the great thing about good, mu- great music. It instantly brings you a, a good theme, right? It just brings you instantly to that movie or how you felt when you were watching that movie or the time, you know, when that mm-hmm. movie came out. It just instantly brings you right back to that. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, it was kind of before my time because, you know, VHS was around (laughs) for me. But people would talk about you'd get the soundtrack to the movie because you couldn't watch the movie at home or anything unless it just happened to come on TV. So you'd listen to the soundtrack and you could relive the movie. I'm like, my goodness, (laughs) in my own way, I did do that, you know, because I, you know, Mm -hmm. used to listen to a lot of film scores, mainly John Williams. But, you know, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You kind of relive it. And it's just like, oh, you just kind of lay back in your room and just go away on the Mm -hmm. adventure. And then. I drive my wife crazy with this because I'm so used to, you know, I, I could buy a soundtrack and I would I could place. Oh, yes. The, you know, after I've seen a movie enough times, I knew exactly when I was listening to. I could place what's happening in the movie to exact beats of music. That's nice. That's awesome. It's always fun. And then I, I try to play a game with my wife sometimes when we're going on a long trip. If I'm in if she's driving, and I'm in charge of the radio. I will randomly Ooh. grab some sort of film scoring or some music from a movie and play it and see if she can guess Ooh. what movie it's at least it's from. Nice. And she That's always great. chastises me. It's like, you know, I can't I can't recognize the different stuff like you can. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she's she's supposed to listen to all this classical music. And she, you know, her favorite soundtrack is Fantasia, I swear. You know, so she loves all this classical music and she can't awesome. differentiate film score. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she'd be able to do that pretty easily if she can if she can get classical music. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty good. So I'll never understand her. But I think she gets that focus where she's focused on the story and she doesn't pay attention to the music. Of course, a lot of modern movies, I mean, film scores have really changed to where they don't. And I've heard this described that they don't seem to give the composer that paused moment to Mm -hmm. let music come out. Like in uh, the example that they mentioned was like in Star Wars, you have this great Mm -hmm. moment there early on in Tatooine when Luke comes out and he's looking at the binary sunset and you just have this pause and it just gives John Williams a playground to feel some emotions. And now movies are so frenetic and we don't take the moment to just pause and let the music take us emotionally somewhere into the story. And so now a film score barely stands out to me. We've got a whole list of Marvel movies and I couldn't recognize half of what the theme for a character is anymore. I know. I don't know if they do the themes though as much in those, do they? Like as much as it doesn't pop out. 
Yeah, like there's no theme like Spider-Man's theme, is there? I don't think there is. Or like, uh, yeah, it's different. It's a mm-hmm. different kind of scoring now for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it seems that the frenetic pace of films, like we don't take the time to just pause a minute and just mm-hmm. feel an emotion of what's going on or let it let's just let a character go off by themselves and just you know analyze what sure. just happened to them or or dream of a future to where we we connect with that character it seems like we don't pause often anymore we're just yeah. you know we need to get to the next action sequence as fast as we possibly can and yeah. i miss that that's yeah that's a good point it's mm-hmm. it's different today yeah, I think world. it's why it's a hard time. Kids can't seem to watch some of the like cartoons we would have grown up on. If you watch a yeah. cartoon now, they have to try to get a joke every 30 seconds to where the jokes don't even have to be funny. They just, oh, huh, uh, we made a joke. Huh, huh. They're so right. frenetic. And we get kids that are just they're just used to a fast paced lifestyle and they'll watch sure. a movie. You no, know, I don't know if these kids now can watch the old Wizard of Oz and be able to relate. Cause, I know. Right. It uh, would be, probably be so boring to them. Yes. I would think, you know, but and oh. even, even one of my I favorite know. movies, Casablanca. I mean, I don't know if I could show that to a kid these days. They'd probably be like, this is boring. I'm like, do you not see what's happening here? And uh. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, that you're you're right. It's a mm-hmm. very good point, because I think the mentality now of, of most of us is just so fast, mm-hmm. because I think the way we live now in technology has just made us used to it. Yep. So I think if you're if you if you were raised in that, just think if you didn't have if you didn't know anything else besides that you wouldn't know what it's like to maybe slow down or, you know, take a breath in the, the, the music or the, the movies or whatever. Everything is just fast, fast, fast. Like you said, but if you don't know any better, like you, or, you know, you don't know any different cause you weren't raised before it was all pre tech stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And so that's the thing with, with the, with the music you're making, this is like, this is the type of thing I'd want to sit a kid down with yeah. like, just sit and just listen. And it reminds me even, uh, <laughs> My dad, uh, one time he had, uh, when he, when we first got like a CD player in the house, he, mm-hmm. what is Iron Butterfly? I think it was. Yes. Cause he, he okay. had like a live version or something of the original Inagata DeVita. And there's, oh, I wow. swear it's like a half hour drum solo. Oh wow. Yeah. And he had yeah. me just sit down and just listen to it. <laughs> He's like, just, just sit and listen. I'm like, you know, do we, do we let kids just have a different type of music? Something like magical meditations, just sit down right. and just let just the music listen. take you on a little journey. Yeah. And I, I yeah. had a fifth grade teacher that that's one of the greatest things she did. She actually had us just sit at one point and she put a, it's a little bit. It's just about three tracks of classical arrangement. She's like, what we're going to do, we're just going to sit there. We're going to listen to this wow. and just let your imagination go wild. Mm-hmm. And whatever. And then says so whatever comes to your head when we listened to all, all three of these. So now write down whatever you imagined when you heard that. Oh, music. Wow. And I wow. learned to appreciate music is in its own way telling a story, but it's whatever story you see in your head. That's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite piano scores, well, it's not a score, a piano piece is the, it's a classical piece. Uh, the Greek concerto in a minor, your wife will probably know what it is. <laughs> she uh, might. It's, it's my favorite piano piece ever written. It's gorgeous, but the whole thing is 30 minutes. Wow. It's a 30 minute long. It's a three, uh, you know, piece, uh, movements. So you got the fast in the beginning, you got a gorgeous, slow middle section and then a fast ending, but it's the, the whole thing is 30 minutes. Now, when I was in my early twenties and teens, I could never listen to that. But as I got older, like late twenties, early thirties, and started to really appreciate all different forms of music, um, especially classical. Cause I was trained classically, but it's different when you get older and really appreciate it. 
and I could sit there and listen to the whole thing and it's beautiful and it takes you on this whole journey, but you got, it's 30 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Try telling a kid, yeah, I want you to listen to this concerto or whatever, but it's 30 minutes long. See what their face, yeah. see, see like their reaction. And by the way, I'm going to take your phone away for a little bit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's torture. Mm-hmm, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. There's a lot of times I regret that I have this phone with me all the time. It's like, you know, I feel like it it separates me from the world. I was actually, um, we're going to get off another tangent. I'm good at chasing rabbits. Uh, I was even (laughs) just hearing uh, with one of the radio stations that I work at, our Mm -hmm. morning show that we get in syndication, they were talking about there was a school that did an experiment and they banned cell phones. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you cannot bring your cell phone into the school. Oh, wow. Now, I'm sure there was some resistance at first, but the kids apparently later started to appreciate it because they're like, I feel like I'm interacting with people better and now I don't want to have my phone all the time because right. I'm getting to interact with the world and, and actual people and I can focus more on what I'm doing and I don't have that yeah. lingering distraction in the back of my head like, oh, I wonder what's happening on Facebook. Oh, I got to go see, you know, gonna check TikTok. Right. It's just take it's that true. away. It is true. And it probably, it probably was a lot of um, stress off of their minds thinking mm-hmm. they don't have to check the Facebook, like you said, or Instagram every two seconds. They were in the moment. They were just present. Yep. to whatever was there. And that's really cool. I think a lot, we just lost that, you know? Yep. I think we have, do you remember, well, you're going to be really, you'll be too young for this, but in the seventies when I was a kid, when you wanted to take a nap or just relax or, or de-stress for whatever, you would actually take the physical phone off the, the take the phone off the hook mm. and it would give a buzzer beep, 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 beep <laughs> for like a minute. Yep. And then it just stopped, but it was so, I can imagine it was just so, um, relaxing to know, like, I'm not going to get any calls for the whole time. The phone's off the hook. You can, no one can get in touch with you. Now, can you imagine doing that today? Like I, it's like hard to picture because you kind of always want to be in touch with people, but like, that would be like, I guess, like turn your cell phone off for 30 minutes or an hour. And everybody's like, where have you been? I sent you a text (laughs) five minutes ago and you haven't replied yet. I know. But it'd be interesting because you don't ever hear anyone say, you know what? I'm turning my cell phone off from two to four. I yep. won't be available. And then I'll get you after. Like, I ne- I don't hear that from anybody, yeah. <laughs> even myself. Yeah. So that's why it's but like, I know. find a good half hour bit of music. There turn you the go. phone off, turn off and the TV for a little out. bit. I'm actually, yeah. I'm wanting to look this up because I don't know if I've ever heard this before, but now I'm like, I think I need to listen to this. I bet I could find online somewhere. Maybe. Oh Yeah. For sure. It's it's just beautiful. But that's what I do. I, well, I don't turn my phone off, but if I'm going to, you know, chill out for a while, I will turn the phone on silent so that I don't get interrupted with messages, you know, kick back. And that's the, that's one of the things that's great. You know, like an audio book is it's similar because I can, yeah. I like to kick back and just listen and go with the story. But the best audio books are the ones that have music kind of put into it so like, and it's generally mm-hmm. if it's like a licensed thing like a star wars audiobook they'll put some music into it a lot of times yeah oh yeah that like, helps the music always brings the emotion into the story which yeah it know, does that's the fun of music it does. music is a very uh, emotional experience and it'll take you on a journey if you can just sit back in just yeah. listen just listen so true go. so true and i think and i think disney music does that so well yes and that's why we all love to, I mean, I love to listen to Disney music as much as I record it yeah. on the piano. Like I love, I love to listen to it. I have a collection of, um, 
I think it's two or three disc set of like the old Disney music from the 1930s up to the 70s. Nice. And I had bought it in the 80s or 90s. And it's still fun to put on and just let the song, you know what I mean? Just go for like an hour mm-hmm. and just listen to these this old music. And it just brings you right back when you hear songs from like Pete's Dragon or I'll hear songs from Lady and the Tramp or whatever. Yes. It just brings you right there. But it's just so fun to listen to. It's really cool. Yeah, that reminds me of a set I actually found... I got lucky. I was uh, up in, actually in Marceline, Missouri, because it's not far from me. Uh, there's nice. an antique store I love to visit. And w- there was one time uh, I found I, it's in, I can picture it. I, I don't know where I've put it. I put it in a place of honor somewhere, but it's I in like, like a purple case and it had multiple discs in it. And it was some sort of limited edition that had like a complete history of Disney music. I think all the way up to 2000. Oh, and that's it, awesome. It that goes back great. and it, it goes from like Steamboat Willie, you know, and it works its way up. And it's even, Goodness. well, it's even got like a, before Steamboat Willie, I think it would be wow. after Steamboat Willie. Uh, it has the, uh, the skeleton dance. Yeah. That's really going back. Like that's really old. Yeah. Oh, wow. it is fan. Let's see if I can remember what the name of that set was, which that's yeah, cool. I remember taking a picture and sending it to uh, this one. Eric was co-hosting with me, which I haven't gotten to have him on in a long time. Uh-huh. Like, well, there it is. Disney 75 years of music and memories. Oh, that uh, sounds really yes. cool. I gotta check that out. Yep, going all that the way back. Cool. It's Turkey in the Straw is the first track on there because, oh of course, God. that features so heavily in Steamboat Willie. Wow. It is such oh a great goodness. set, but apparently it was a limited edition, and I had no idea. I just I saw uh, it in the antique store, and I told my wife, it's like, I am buying this. Yeah, because you, you know? don't need yeah, especially if it's limited. You're, you're lucky yeah. to have that. I had so no idea awesome. it was a limited, and I'm like, why did somebody give this up into an antique store? Somebody must have died. <laughs> you know, and they're like, yeah. oh, they're not going <laughs> right. to listen anymore, and... <laughs> Look, it's got Mickey Mouse on the cover. I guess I'll take it to the antique store there in Marceline. I'm like, thank you. Right. I will buy it. Yeah, it goes oh, all the way up. That's awesome. The last track is Honor to Us All from Mulan. Oh, wow. There you go. So that would have been like the late 90s then. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Oh, it's a great set. <gasps> that's amazing. That's right. amazing. And it's so strange because I still consider Little Mermaid, like that whole 90s thing mm-hmm. to me is modern. But it really isn't. It's like classic now, like classic. <laughs> but to me, because I was in my 20s and stuff and third, like that's modern to me. <laughs> that yeah. seems like, oh, that was just yesterday. Right. But no, Little Mermaid was actually 1989. So I guess yeah. we can consider it classics now. Yeah, that reminds me of my first day working in a classic rock station. I saw Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana. I'm like, that isn't classic. Uh, I was like, that's the stuff like, I listened to in high school. And the, the program director is like, you realize that was 30 years ago. I'm like, oh, I, I know. Then it brings it back to reality. Yep. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's, you know, but I still like to consider classic rock like Led Zeppelin. You know, that's still the classic rock stuff to me. You know, of course, we play a lot of 80s hair bands now, too. But I'm like, okay, I guess that's classic (laughs) rock. But I remember listening to that when I was a kid, too. It's class. I know. I know. Time just marches on. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's when you know you've you've uh, you've just hit a certain age when like, oh, stuff that I grew up as a kid is now on all these stations. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yep. But there's still, that's you crazy. know, there's still some new Disney music that's still, you know, I still love the music from Tangled. You know, Tangled is great. Oh yeah. That's, it's all so good. I love, um, I'm really excited about what's the new Disney movie coming out that has Lin-Manuel Miranda's doing the score. What is that called? I oh, lost oh. the name. And it's that super nice and colorful. Yeah. Uh, looks I'm, really cool. I'm really excited. I, and I lost, I apologize. I don't remember the name of the movie, but I'm really looking forward to that because I watched, is it Vivo that was on Netflix? Lin-Manuel Miranda did it. He just did an animated uh, show just like 
couple months ago that was just oh. released. Ooh. He plays a, a monkey or Pikachu. I can't remember what he plays, but it's like a monkey and he has to go on this journey to get a song that was written by his former owner to one of his other, to this other person. But Lin-Manuel Miranda did all the music for it. And it's really good. So I, I, I really like Lin-Manuel Manuel Miranda's stuff. I think he's really great. So I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do with that new movie. Cause I love Moana. I thought it was like great yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's one of the ones that you you came out to the theater and you were singing, you know, hey, yeah. oh, you're welcome, you know. You're, yeah, exactly. Oh. It's great stuff. Yes. It's great stuff. He's brought back a so, lot of the fun to some Disney music. I mean, I, you know, he, the music from Frozen was okay, but I'm like, come on, Moana was better. <laughs> I, I actually really loved, I loved the story and the music from Tangled better than, than Frozen. Yeah. Yes, I really did. I loved, I thought frozen was great. Don't get me wrong, but there was something about tangled that I really loved. I loved the music. I loved the story arc in it. I thought it was really well done. Yes. I really loved it. That's, that's still my favorite of the modern era. Really is tangled. Just, ha. And that's, that's the thing that blew me away because I've been a fan of Zachary Levi since the, the series Chuck was on ah, TV. Okay. And yeah. I didn't realize he yeah. could sing. And I thought, oh, you know, I was so used to the 90s where they'd get an actor to play the role and then somebody else would come in and sing sure. for them. And sure. when, I, when I found out that actually that was him singing and I was like, that's oh, awesome. hey, not bad. So <laughs> Yeah, he did a good job. He did a great job he and the songs great were job. great. And I love I Have a Dream. It's hilarious. It and then. It's just so much fun. I just, I loved that movie. I thought it was yep. great. That's why on this album I did, um, at Le- I see the light. Yo, Cause I wanted yes. to put something from tangled onto this album. Yeah. So I really love that. I love that music. And if you want to bring something to a nice meditative level, that is a great song to do it. Oh, it's such a nice song. And mm-hmm. I did add some flutes in that one. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's so pretty. The melodies are so pretty in that song. I'm like, I have to do that one. Indeed. So, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool, but it was fun to also take some of the fast songs because I wanted people to look at the, uh, uh the song selections and think, how is make a man out of you reflective? <laughs> like what the heck, how is small world going to make me relax? Cause that song be like either love it or hate it. You know what I mean? And it, it's like, how is that going to help? But I, I, I really like the arrangements I came up with. I think people will be surprised when they hear it, but I wanted to put that stuff in there too, just to throw like people for a loop. Like, how is that song going to help me chill out? Well, the nice thing, you know, with a small world is it's was intention was to be Ooh. nice and slow and prayerfully is as, yeah. as it describes. I'm like, when I saw that on the list, I was like, ah, oh, he's taking it back to that nice level. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Cause it was, it was written to be slower. Yeah. yeah. Like a ballad. So and I'm like, of course. And it's, it, it's much more, I guess, tolerable would be the right word for people who get driven crazy by that earworm. And it's yeah. it's, it's really an earworm because it's that good. Let's face it. It's Ugh. just that good. It but, does not. It does not leave. When you hear that song, that song is in your head for hours. Yes. After. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is and anybody who says they don't like it, they're half lying to themselves because it got stuck in their head because it's that catchy and that memorable of a tune. Right. So it is really that good. And you're only not liking because you can't get rid of it. Right. That's so true. I've always, I mean, the song has never bothered me. I've always liked it. Like it's, but people I've found that either love that song or they hate that song. So it's just funny to me. Yeah. It's funny, but it's, it's never bothered me. <laughs> but of course you got some of my favorites in there under the sea and then you can fly. I mean, obviously we've done a Neverland um, show here now for about going on eight years. So you can play, you can fly. Um, and I'm like, I gotta hear this. 
That's I really like how that one turned out too. It's mm-hmm. I love that song. It's one of my favorites from Peter Pan. Yeah. Boy, such a pretty song. So I, I wanted to find a way to put that in there. So all right. And now you've got something new you've been mentioning on Facebook that you got a new project you're about to release in uh let's see, about another week. This is coming October 1st. Now, this is not Disney music. This is actually original music. I did an album that came out back in February called Stories from the Sea, which is based on a a book by Ian Urbina. He's a news reporter for New York Times. I think he's written for the Atlantic magazine or, or paper. But he has done extensive reporting over about five or six years where he goes to the oceans and he reports on all of the things that are happening out in the oceans where there's no jurisdictions. Mm. And it is crazy. I mean, it's, it's eye-opening, the, the, the atrocities and the horrible things that are happening that we don't know about. But he wrote a book about it, and he wanted to gather musicians from all over the, all over the world and write songs based on the book. So that's, I wrote 10 songs for them, original music, and I called it Stories from the Sea. Hmm. which was all based on chapters in his book. Well, he has a new project coming out where he is doing um, musical tributes to the philosophies of Noam Chomsky, who I, I don't, I'd never heard of him before this project, Hmm. but I guess he's a philosopher. He's been around for years and they've gathered a bunch of sound bites of his. And they said, look, go through, you're not going to agree with everything he says, but go through and see if you could find stuff that, that rings with you, you know, that rings true with you or inspires you and see what you can come up with. So I did five songs based on the teachings of Noam Chomsky. That's coming out October 1st. And uh, it's original music. It's it's some of the best stuff I've ever done, ever written. And I'm really excited for people to hear it. So, but that's what's coming out uh, next week. Nice. Uh, yeah. Will this be available? Or well, I figure it'll be on iTunes, of course, for purchase. But you can have it up on Spotify so everybody can kind of check yes. out and listen to. And- yes. It- it will be everywhere. It'll be on Spotify or if you stream on Amazon music, it's, it'll be there. It'll be on Apple music. Uh, it'll be everywhere for you, for people to check out. Yeah, that's one of the things that's nice about Spotify is, you know, cause I figure everybody, if I'm, if I'm playing on Spotify and they're a pay service, then everybody should be getting a nickel every time I hear one of their songs, at least I hope. Like oh, radio. wouldn't that be nice? No, that's not the truth, but uh, it would be nice if that, no, Spotify pays very, very low, but it's still okay. I get, I've had the most uh, success on Spotify. So it's been really nice. Oh, a good. lot of people listen to the, especially the Disney music mm-hmm. on Spotify. So it's, it's totally fine. I, I usually try to push people to Spotify if they have it, but if you don't have it, it's okay. Like listen on Amazon or listen on Apple. But the thing about Spotify is, you know, people can have a free account. Yeah. So you can listen for free. It's not like Apple music. I think you have to pay. There's no free service right. there. So yeah. yeah. Spotify, you just have to listen to an ad every once in a while unless you want to have a paid account where you, exactly. you know, ignore the ads. But I don't mind getting right. an ad every once in a while. But right. the nice thing about Spotify is getting to look up different songs. Like somebody will tell me, oh, hey, have you heard this? Oh, let me go find mm-hmm. out. Or some band will post to Facebook. Hey, we just put out this new song. You know, we're going to have an album right. out here later, but here's the song. And I'm like, I can go and search for that song and I can just pull it right up right there. It's, yeah. I mean, great. okay, I work in radio, so I don't want to pull everybody off of radio, but you know, <laughs> it's a good point. Spotify good point. is nice because you can search for stuff. And I, I've, I've had a lot of fun on Spotify making playlists of different decades of music that oh, I can just listen cool. to. And I've even got a collection of like, here's actually some smaller independent bands that are kind of local in my area. I've got a collection of them to put together and got my oh, course of Disney cool. collection. So 
I can put together, and so I can have some Tom Amin music throwing in there. Of course, if I've got I, a lot, you know, I've got the albums I own already <laughs> on a flash drive anyway. I can plug that into the car, but, you know. I was going to say, I'd love that. I got put, some of my Disney songs have been put on some popular playlists nice. on Spotify, and it's been great because it gives you so much more exposure to people that I don't think normally wouldn't know who you are yeah. or even know your music. So it's been really nice that I've had some really good success on Spotify and people putting me on, on like Disney playlists, for example, like Disney relaxation playlists, you know, or Disney in the classroom and things like that, where they'll put some of my songs that they can play for students while they take exams or study or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's been really neat. It's been really cool. It's a good way to hear some new music. I even like that you can follow other people on Spotify. Yes. Oh, this, me and this person seem to have similar tastes in music and they've put together this playlist. I'm going to listen to this Mm -hmm. playlist they created. I yeah. love that because like now I, I get to hear stuff that I didn't know what it was. And even even if I'm in my car, I've got, you know, modern radios. Now you hook your phone up into it, go sure. through Bluetooth or whatever. It'll tell you the title and the artist right there on your 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 things. And now I'm like, OK, I've heard this new song. I really liked it. Now I can go and explore more of that artist. Right. It's it's so neat. Yeah, it's, so it's really we nice. lamented technology before, but now we're like, hey, but, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of benefits and good stuff, too. <laughs> All right, that's the upside to it. Yes, See, that is the upside with everything. I know. And even this nice thing, I've there's so many different new music that's out even on YouTube that you can discover, oh, yeah. you know, like the Harp Twins, uh, for anyone who's familiar with them. Oh. Uh, and even uh, like Lindsey Sterling got a huge following on YouTube. And even uh, the the young guy, uh, uh, Al City, I believe it is, who did the, the ending yes. credits music for Wreck-It Ralph. He got his he's, start putting his music out on YouTube and totally, totally. And he's awesome. Like I have, a, I have a few of his albums. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. Super talented great. guy. My goodness. Oh my gosh. Is he talented? Oh, mm-hmm. I love his stuff. And I loved what he did, what you said for Wreck-It Ralph. I thought yes. it was a great song. That's the first track of his that I heard. I'm like, oh, this is just fun and cool. So. <laughs> Yeah, his one of I think one of his early hits was Fireflies, I think, or Firefly or something. It was such a cool song. Yeah, he's a great arranger. He's mm-hmm. just he's really good. So that's that's the nice thing about the modern modern world is there's so much yes. music out there to discover, but it also requires take the time to just sit and listen. But it is <laughs> it is nice to have something, you know. Heck, I've worked in an office for a long time and it's nice to have mm-hmm. some music in there. But when you got, yeah. you know, it's just something you gotta do around the house. I, you know, maybe you got to go clean the, the kitchen or whatever. It's very nice to just yeah. put some music on and I'm going to challenge everybody. Find some music a little different. Maybe you didn't think you liked just listening to piano music. But if you like Disney music, you like yeah. Star Wars music because you I love that Star Wars album. Uh, you know, oh, thank you. Come find some Tomamine music because he's playing some Disney. He's playing some Star Wars. Now you got some new stuff even that's original out there even. So. Oh yeah! Take Give a listen a shot and see what you think. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's nice, and I still think it's, it's nice if you're going to, and it's it's hard to do anymore to actually just sit at the dinner table because I've gotten such a habit oh, yeah. of sitting in front of the TV. But when I sit yeah, when I sit I at know. the dinner table, I'm like, I want some nice music to listen to and just sit here yeah. at the dinner table. I just need to do it more often. I think my That's wife would appreciate nice. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would too. Instead yep. of just eating at the TV, I understand. Yep. Eating at I the totally table. Of course, we've ended up, you know, the table becomes a catch all. You know, just we, exactly. especially when you come in from the garage, you go through the, the door from the garage and the kitchen table is right there on your left and you just plunk your junk right. down. And oh, yeah. So, this is something else to encourage people take time with your families and sit and watch dinner 
sit and watch dinner. Wow. <laughs> sit and eat dinner at the table together and put, put this meditation album on. It's nice, gentle, yeah, calming it's, Disney music. It's help very you calm. Yes. Yes. It will relax you. And then you can, I think it will. You can talk to your family face to face. There you go. <laughs> and not worry about, hey, we got to hurry off to soccer practice. Just like, so what'd you do? Exactly. Today? How was your day? <laughs> how was your day? That, that Look, phrase, so, how was your day? <laughs> Look your kids in the eye and ask them. I, I don't have any kids, so I, you know, but, you know, it's the idea. So it's like the challenge. Tom has given you the way in. All right. There you go. There you go. Do it. <laughs> And it does work there because last time I did get a chance to sit at the table, I was like, I, I think it was about the time the uh, the pixie uh, the pixie magic. I think I played that one. Uh, oh, my wife and I were sitting down, a, and I remember playing the pic- yeah. the uh, magic and pixie dust one. Uh, piano and pixie dust. That was one of dust. the first yeah. big ones I did. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was yeah. like, isn't this nice? So cool. Yes, I like piano music. That's awesome. Eat dinner by. Take it from me. I did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Piano music is great. We like it. Indeed. All right. But I got to wrap this up here. So where okay. is the best place for people to find you? I mean, do you have like a they, website where people can purchase uh, your CDs? Yeah. If they just go to my uh, TomAminMusic.com, that's A-M-E-E-N. So they could go TomAminMusic.com and all the stuff is there. And on the front page, I think that the Disney album is still there. Uh, they can just click the link. If they, or if they, they could just put my name in a search like Tom Amin, Magical Meditations, it will come up everywhere. And it's on Spotify and Apple Music, like we mm-hmm. said, and Amazon. So and just iTunes. take a listen to it. <laughs> and iTunes, it's on iTunes. Yeah. If you actually want to buy the MP3s, yep. you can download them. They're on there, uh, et cetera. So it, it's available everywhere. Yeah, because I got two albums on a, on a hard CD, but the Magical Meditations I wanted to get my hands on because when I was nice. trying to you know, get you on last time, I was like, oh, I'm going to make sure I get a chance to listen to this. And so I went straight to <laughs> iTunes. I'm like, you know, instant nice, gratification. I didn't have to wait for it to be delivered in the mail or anything. <laughs> it's like, it's I get, the best. Yeah, I was like, it's hey. The I still download MP3s because I don't stream. I, I don't have a limited data on my phone. So when I'm in the car and everything, or if I'm traveling, I need to have the albums on my phone or whatever. Yeah. And I just watched on, um, I'd never seen come from away that Broadway show that they just put on Apple TV. It's a Broadway show about, uh, the small town in, uh, new Newfoundland that hosted all the people from nine 11 when the, they mm. shut down the, uh, airspace on nine 11, all these planes did, got diverted to Canada but it's a musical about what happened during that time. It's an amazing musical, wow. but I loved it. And I went, I went on iTunes and bought the MP3s cause I wanted to have them on my phone so that I could listen to them when I was in the car and everything. So I, I still download MP3s. Yeah, me too. I know I'm, most people just stream now, but I still download and yeah. pay for them when I, when I really like the stuff. Yeah. I want to be able to own my stuff. Of course, that's also, I'm old school. Yeah. I'd rather have a hard copy, but I'm getting to where I don't yeah. mind having it. If I only have it digital, if that's the best way I can get it, as long as I have it. And then I, I like to yeah. load up flash drives cause I got, uh, like two different ports in my car to plug in flash drives. So I'll load my flash nice. drives up and just hit it on nice. shuffle and you know, let it fly. So, and there you go. There you go. Oh, that sounds great. Like I have a ton of CDs, but I'm not going to throw them away. Cause they're, they're like you said, they're like hard copy backups yes. in case. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to hold on to those. And it reminds me actually of a meme I saw. Oh, like probably last week. It's like, you know, we lament everybody getting on their phones in the car, but here we're, here was us the nineties and Scott picture steering wheel. And Scott, you know, the CD case that you would unzip and you have all your disc <laughs> in and we'd be flipping through that. It's like, yeah. yeah, but now we don't have to do that. I can load it all on a flash drive and plug it right into the car and. The only time I have to and do something is like, go. if I want to hear something specific, I have to kind of browse in on the flash drive and everything. And 
So oh yeah, that's the only difference. So it's better off sometimes just hit shuffle and then let it yeah. go. Which is fun. My shuffle, you never know if you're going to hear Frank Sinatra or Metallica. You know, <laughs> could be anything. <laughs> that's awesome, right? That's cool. <laughs> I have I like a mix. <laughs> I love that. The eclectic mix is great. Yeah, I, I span multiple. I mean, because I'm I'm the type of person I love to listen to old radio shows. I'm kind of old school. Got it. I'm a bit of an oh, old cool. soul. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, Jeremy. It's yep. all good. I, I still love the word word puns and stuff. I still think it's funny. Yeah. You know, that's that's what the comedy was back in the day. And I think it took a lot of nice. cleverness to write some of the comedy they did back in the day. And so it's sure it's still. Oh, good. sure. It's still good. It's, you, it's all good. I've been rewatching just for fun. I've been watching old um, Mary Tyler Moore episodes. Yes. Uh, uh, Golden Girls are still hilarious. That show is still funny. And just some of the older shows that I grew up with. It's so fun to watch them. Oh, yeah. It still holds up. Yep. Yeah. Still holds up. And like I said, I, I even understand. dig even further back. I can dig further <laughs> back and so like I still love Andy Griffith. That's I know some good it's stuff. The classics. Why well, I love Lucy. I could watch it yes. all the day. Yes. That's all good. And oh, there's still good shows. Yeah. Oh yeah. And even like uh, Lucille Ball. Before I Love Lucy, there was a radio show that I Love Lucy felt like it was kind of based on the. It was called My Favorite Husband. Uh, it was oh, a radio I show did. she I had. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old radio show, and I, I think the main one that I always remember is I have, uh, uh, I got a collection of Christmas episodes, and there's one oh, that's really cool. funny where she's trying to have this perfect old fashioned Christmas, and she wants to drive a sleigh down the road and they get on all kinds of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. So I'm like, I'll when you listen to it, you're like, I swear this is where they got some of the ideas when they were putting together her television shows. Like they must have pulled from the radio show, and it's like, like this same concept, yeah. but now we can do it on TV. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. Okay. But anyways, I was supposed to wrap this up like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can chase rabbits <laughs> with the best of them. <laughs> I know, I'm hunting right? webbits. So. <laughs> well, right. thank you well, so much for having me again. It's been awesome to talk yep. to you again, Jeff. Uh, thanks for coming Jeremy, on again. It's been, it's, great. it's been kind of too long since I had, you know, I need to, I need to have a lot more repeat guests. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm available anytime. All right. Anytime. Especially when you got some new music, you got to let us know. Exactly. For sure. And with that, I just want to thank you, of course, for listening to the Fandom Nexus. And, of course, we invite you to come back next time when we have some more adventures. Remember to visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com, where you can find a link right there. If you happen to be a podcaster, my podcast reviews. Go and set up an account right there. That's how I can get all my reviews from wherever in the world they come from. And I can even post some right there on the website. And they'll even update right there on the front page. We want to, of course, thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite and Wall Show for their help in creating our intro. Remember to find us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. We're on Facebook. We have both a group and a page for you to like. Leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. And remember to donate through our Patreon. This show cannot exist without our patrons. And remember to get lost in an adventure.